Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 132, a day late, more than a buck short. (laughs) uh, With everything going on, uh, particularly in my life, if you listen to last week's show, sometimes you get a little derailed. Sometimes. Um, We had every intention of uh, recording yesterday, but then... Yeah, shit all hit the fan. I did get a bunch of messages from listeners. I have not gotten back to everybody yet. I swear to God, I will. Uh, thank you. My brother is doing better. He's been transferred out of intensive care. Uh, he's in rehab now, not the good kind where they give you narcotics, uh, but the, the crappy kind where the, he's going to, I guess, learn how to speak again, which, knowing my brother, that's that's a setback. Do we have a my left foot situation going on here? Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. Nobody's talking anything about feet <laughs> with his particular condition. It's my left foot would be that's the one they're okay. taking. I don't believe we're there yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's still a stressful time, and still the phone rings with ugly news now and again, and that's a situation that happened yesterday. Besides, on some level, I think I wanted to tape just on the last day before the end of America, <laughs> before it's all over. Listeners, <laughs> we've come to enjoy you. We'll miss you. And many, we're sorry. Many of you are in other countries, <laughs> and we need a place to go. So the word we're looking for is asylum. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and not not the good kind where they wrap you in irons and give you narcotics. <laughs> but just a, a place to hide. Yes, the American presidential election is tomorrow. I don't want to talk too much about no. it, but I'm so fucking glad it's over. Yes. I can't take it anymore. But we're also still researching countries to move to, so. Yes. So, yeah, if, if we got a, a couch, <laughs> pull out couch. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll bring our own booze. A tolerance of filthy Americans. Uh, I, showered, I showered in the last couple of days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a lot of time I can't account for, but. Mm. So, yeah, it's between stuff popping up yesterday and it's like, oh, we could tape Tuesday. Oh, no, we'll be watching The Death of America on Tuesday. <laughs> I think we better tape it tonight. So, you said Death of America. This is going out on airwaves. We're going to be on a list somewhere. I said of, not to. Okay. Very different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> very is, good point. Very good point. One, one is mourning, <laughs> and <laughs> the other is not. Right. So, right. Uh, so, and it's, yeah, we have a good subject this week, because even, this is what I love about Marvel. Mm. Marvel Studios comes out with movies every four, five, six months, and sometimes they come out on the perfect weekends where it's like, oh God, with everything going on, all I can spare is two hours to sit down and watch a movie, and then we have a built-in show topic. Yes. That was the only reason I was particularly excited about Doctor Strange this week. I I actually, we went to go see it with friends of the show, Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks, and I commented that this was actually really enjoyable because I was going in to see a movie that I was relatively unspoiled about because uh, yeah, I, I wanted to see it, but I also didn't particularly care. Yeah. So I didn't bother to like watch every single trailer and teaser trailer and scan the intertrons for deepest, darkest set pictures. You know, like. Yeah. It's a, this was a weird one in that weird. And we've talked about it before. Neither one of us are particular Dr. Strange fans. I enjoy the Jason Aaron, Chris Boccolo run that's going on now. I like him on occasion but you know I'm, I'm a constantine person so it's it's kind of you know are you coke or pepsi well <laughs> that's the t- I coke think, by the way coke 
<laughs> well, yeah, duh. <laughs> For God's sake. No, let's say Pepsi. It'll make the people in other countries who might take us in think we're less ugly American because Coke is the ugly American drink, I think. Coke, people. Coke. We're filthy Americans. Fine. Berkshire Brewing Company. <laughs> Steel Rail Pale Ale. I'll bring some. You uh, can't get that shit in Great Britain. Although, to be fair, if you put enough rum in either of them, I don't care. If you put rum in my fine Berkshire Brewing Company steel rail pail. I was talking about the cola product. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Fuck it. <laughs> At that point, yeah, it's just a Jack Daniels delivery device. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Frankly, in that scenario, uh, cherry jolt, if you can still find it. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, what you want is your cola product, preferably Coke. And then about as much cherry brandy as you can stomach. Oh, we've talked about this on the show before. No, that way lies madness. And possible blindness. Uh, I couldn't see very well the next morning, but I think it's because my eyelids were glued shut somehow. It's a really good cherry Coke. It's no, get you drunk. It's fucking not. You know what? It'd put whiskey in cherry Coke, and then you don't have to lie about what you've done the next day. <laughs> You don't have to lie to every dude you know. Oh, what, what I drank yesterday? Oh, I had Kirsch and Diet Coke, and then they throw stuff at you, point and laugh. I can't I, have that. Since I, I look, it's better than being sober, but almost everything is. <laughs> I'm sorry that your masculinity matters to you more than the awesomeness of cherry brandy and Coke. I didn't say I didn't drink it. <laughs> I said I didn't brag about it. For God's sake. <laughs> You know that's a microphone in front of you. People are going to hear this shit. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Come at me, bro. What <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of a-holes. Anyway, uh, it's a, I, I do think you're right in that when it comes to magic and comic books, the the only really correct way to do it is Hellblazer. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the one real place for magic in modern comics. And I think it's because after the Silver Age... Uh, magic became a cheap... Magic was all over the place in the Golden Age comics I'm aware of. Green Lantern had a magic ring. And then with the Silver Age, it was, oh no, it's we gotta make him a space cop. Yeah. You know, Hawkman was a magically reincarnated Egyptian prince, and then it's another space cop. There's nothing but fucking space cops in the Silver Age. No matter, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a space cop. But they made everything scientifically based. So magic never fit in that well after... After the Silver Age, it's magic implies you can do anything. Yeah. Up to a certain point. And when you're dealing with people who can fly and have super strength, you're already suspending disbelief enough. If you then introduce a character who makes that look kind of pussy, like super <laughs> like Superman's one uh, one of his own one of his few weaknesses. weaknesses is magic. Yeah. So you're already saying <laughs> Doctor Strange can kick Superman's ass, and that seems very weird. <laughs> you know, for Benedict Cumberbatch to be the man to take down Superman, it just uh, doesn't seem right. So, yeah, the magical characters beyond Hellblazer, and even then, Hellblazer never really kicked with me until he was Vertigo. Yeah, let's get him the hell away from the superheroes. I know he was on the satellite in Crisis on Infinite Earths. I know that's part of the whole basis of the character. But it wasn't really until he was in Vertigo and just sort of operating on his own that it really worked for me. Yeah. That's part of why Doctor Strange didn't. Now, again, I like the Chris Boccolo, Jason Aaron run, like I've said a million times on this, as we've reviewed several of the books. Jason Aaron is just a good writer, and his interpretation of Doctor Strange has added kind of a uh, Dresden Files-ish 
A bit, yeah. It's a. He's got his Scooby gang. Well, yeah, just sort of the the idea that in this major city, there's often the fringes a magical community with places where they meet and hang out, and there are lifers who've just been doing it, and it's not glamorous. It's just this is the life that I have, and yeah, with that element, it you know, and making Doctor Strange basically just sort of yeah, I'll hang out with you, low lives. Why not? <laughs> Makes it a lot more relatable than. Oh, I was a surgeon, and by the hoary hosts of Hoga... No, a Doctor Strange trying to pull some tail, <laughs> you know, after drinking about a quart of whiskey, I, that's a Doctor Strange I can... That's change I can believe in. <laughs> that's... I believe that's magic. Okay. Abracadabra. <laughs> but, and, uh, yeah, with Chris Boccolo, like I've said before, the guy who did Shade the Changing Man, doing magic stuff again. Yeah. That's a great team, and that's a great book. But that's yeah, the really... visuals in that in, in that book have been s- stupendous. Yeah, but when it was solicited before Secret Wars, I did not say, "Ooh, new Doctor Strange." I said, "Holy shit, Jason Aaron and Chris Boccolo." Yeah. So it's, it had nothing to do with Doctor Strange. That's and okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, we went into this movie. I I, I don't want to say I didn't care, but I you didn't I, care. I'm sorry. I didn't care that much. <laughs> It's it's like when the Thor movies come out. It's yeah. and oh that that reminds me. Yeah, we're gonna spoil we're gonna spoil a lot of Doctor Strange. If if you haven't seen it uh, and you want to, uh, just hit pause. Uh, go tomorrow. There's not gonna be anything to watch on TV tomorrow night. There's certainly not gonna be any breaking news. And if there is, it's not gonna be anything worth watching. Just go to the movies. Go to the movies. And for two hours, imagine a better world where magic can fix things. <laughs> yes. Spoiler. There, there's a thing uh, that Doctor Strange gets a hold of that could fix everything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just fix everything. <laughs> yes. So, so. Yeah, I went to it. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Right from the casting thing, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange was such sort of a gimme. You yeah. and I both said Mads Mikkelsen. Right. You know, it would have been a killer Doctor Strange. Yeah, because yeah. It, well, to my mind, and I'm granted I'm basing it off of what I saw in Hannibal, but he had this sort of, I mean, Doctor Strange is New York, but he's like, you know, Westchester County, New York. <laughs> he's, so I, I don't necessarily agree. Well, I don't think he was, you know, born in Hell's Kitchen and then clawed his way up and then suddenly became a master surgeon and then elitist. All right. <laughs> I think he went to boarding school. <laughs> that is very possible, but that doesn't make him New York. I don't think there's anything about Doctor Strange that screams New York beyond, what is it, 221B Bleecker, Bleecker Street? Street? Ah. And even that, that's after he's already Doctor Strange. That's true. I don't think there was any reason to force him being an American. No, you you raise a valid point. Anyway, I was going (laughs) to say that the general arrogance that Mads Mikkelsen was able to demonstrate as Hannibal. Yes. And and the most competent guy in the room and the smartest guy in the room was something that I, I would have loved to have seen him bring to Doctor Strange. Yeah, a cultured... Good humor hiding real danger. Yes. Was what made him awesome in Hannibal. And that's that's why we both you were the first one to think of it. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's a gimme. Right, right. <laughs> so it's it was great to hear him cast in Doctor Strange. As somebody we'll never see again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as somebody who barely even fucking did anything. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about individual characters and, and stuff. Uh so I mean 
general impressions. I walked in with zero expectations. I liked it a lot more than I thought. I didn't think I was going to dislike it. I thought it was going to be eh, like the Thor movies that I've each of which I've seen once, and that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I enjoyed it. I I again ask the question: Do we always need an origin story to kick off these movies? I think in this case we did because he is so, so much more less known than, say, an Iron Man or a Spider-Man. Well, I think, for good or ill, the way Marvel Studios has set stuff up where it is a shared universe with a shared timeline, mm. I think you have to have an origin story, if only to anchor the point in time where the Sorcerer Supreme in New York was available and not able to stop the Chitari invasion or, <laughs> or anything that happened in Civil War or... yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, because they really don't even until you get to the the uh, post credit stingers give you any indication really that this is happening before or during or after any of the other movies. There was one comment that I think Mordo made when Strange first got there that said the Avengers deal with physical threats no, in the physical true. world. They did, they did name check the Avengers. Yeah. So at the very least, it puts what's going on after two thousand. 12. Yeah. But we don't know if it's you know, the Accords or any of that. Yeah, it was... Figuring out how... <laughs> figuring out the time frame this movie took place in was a little bit weird. Mm. Because it, how long he was... Uh, where was he? Tibet? Mongolia? Yeah. Where, where, where was the, the uh, Ancient Ones... Uh, in Nepal. Muggles school? School for he was, Muggles? He was up Kathmandu. <laughs> Um, and That's some, really where he's going to, yeah. if I ever get out of here. He actually references that in the movie. It's the A-side of something that came out in 1974. Uh, beautiful Loser, Bob yes. Seger, <laughs> I think. That's because he, he, he mentioned it in the movie, because that was his weird thing that he did, was use his eidetic memory for the power of uh, storing up useless music, useless music knowledge. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> and spells and Sanskrit, apparently. Well, that was later, but you know, to demonstrate, oh, he has an eidetic memory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was a that was a weird thing, and it was a all right, it was a show don't tell. Yeah, even though they wound up telling anyway, right. and the show to me it was the the gun on the wall. It was okay, this is going to matter at some point, and it didn't. No, not well, not in that form, because what it came down to was he's able to. At a, at a glance, memorize a thing. So presumably, at some point, he either came in, came across this music or, or album, or saw it written down somewhere where what the timeline of these albums were, and he's able to recall this information while under the most stressful of circumstances. So he's operating on a guy's head, and he's able to come up with this trivia on demand. <laughs> The only way I'm coming up with Chuck Mangione's name is if my head's been split open. <laughs> so later on, when he's in the fight with the big bad, he's able to pull together all of the various things that he needs in order to cast this spell, despite really being... like If we were talking Dungeons and Dragons, um, he hasn't gotten out of maybe the third dungeon. Right. And and uh, you know yeah. he's <laughs> probably had to re-roll his character a couple times. He should be about level three yeah. by the end of the movie. <laughs> And that's why the original point I was making was I, I really don't know how long a span of time this movie took. Yeah. Because clearly there were shortcuts with the photographic memory. Uh, but it's also at, at one point, 
the the ancient one he he tells her you know it, it took years of practice and commitment to become a doctor so he's clearly saying this is going to take a while and yet it's there's times it feels like he's there for like 45 minutes right yeah he spends like three nights and rifles the library <laughs> like he's cramming for some all-nighter for like a a weekend class yeah, because apparently he doesn't just have a photographic. I could sort of believe I got a photographic memory, so I just have to flip through these books. But at some point, you got to go back to the photograph in your memory and understand what the fuck it is after you've translated it from Sanskrit. Right. So it. So if I, I and apparently were, they only have like Google Wi-Fi, so they can get you know Google Translate. Oh, they specifically talked about Google <laughs> Translate. I mean, I can't get Google to trade. If I try to put German in there, it <laughs> it gives me things like, would you make fuck on on head? <laughs> Say, what? what the I think f- that's a thing. Uh, in Germany, po- probably. <laughs> <laughs> some some weird shice thing, but either way. <laughs> There's some internet law about that. <laughs> so it's we go back and forth in the movie of, uh, he's got a certain amount of natural talent for it, even though he doesn't believe in it. And he's got a photographic memory, which will speed things up to a certain point. And yet, so I really have no idea how long he was in ironically, outer Mongolia. Ironically, time is sort of an overarching theme of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can only turn it back as far as you can turn your wrist. Or, or you get carpal tunnel. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to see or the- Or blow up the world. I wanted to see the eye of uh, Agamotto. I can never- Eye t- of Agamotto. Thank you. I've never been able to read it right. I can't say it right after seeing the movie. But the little dial that comes up, I wanted to see like a suicide knob on the, <laughs> from like a 77 Trans Am to just whip the wheel. <laughs> No, he's got to go slower. Just twist the dial like he's removing the core from a nuclear weapon. Yeah. Well, I suppose again, it's it's about rules and things. So if you're if you only can go so f- if you can only move time as far as you can move your wrist, then it at least has a bit of a governor on it. Uh, okay. Unless Ma- you're double jointed, then what? Then what? <laughs> it's a magic governor. Madness for the double jointed. <laughs> That sounds like the, a weird sequel to a Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Magic Governors for the Double Jointed. Starring Edward Tremaine. <laughs> opening on Thanksgiving. Tom Felton. <laughs> Draco needs shit to do. No, he's done exactly enough, I think. Nah, he's on Flash right now. He's got more shit to do. Is he? I, I've only ever seen one Harry Potter movie. He, he's the uppity British guy who vexes Barry. You're... <laughs> All right, I thought you were talking about Harry Potter for a second. I'm like, you're really going to have to be more fucking specific. <laughs> We've gotten off topic. We've gotten way <laughs> off topic. So, yeah, going back to general impressions, I liked it better than I thought it was. I, I was going to. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it wholeheartedly. Um, I turned my brain off and shoveled popcorn down my head and and had moments where I was able to say, you know what, that that visual styling looks like a really nice homage to what Steve Ditko used to do. Gosh. There were certain, particularly when Dormammu, mm. uh, another thing I've never been able to pronounce, now that I've seen the movie, I, could, I always thought it was Dormammu. There's clearly no really? N in no, the word. No, there is no N. That's what I thought. Okay. Dormammu. <laughs> <laughs> it's like until I was about 22 years old, I thought the word misled was missled. Okay. Because that's how it looked when I read it. Missled, Dormammu missled me. Okay. That sounds dirty. <laughs> Did he ask for consent? <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamine. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm being vulnerable. I'm exposing that I don't know everything. I'm showing flaws in my I think education. At, I think at the level of wizard that, that Doctor Strange should have been by the end of the movie, he might have been able to, to learn magic missile. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> oh, that's... Puns are the lowest form of fucking humor. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm looking for a strong enough sound effect to throw at you, and that's close to the, the nuclear one, but not quite. Anyway, um, what the fuck are we talking about? I hesitate to say it unless you unleash the sugar man. <laughs> don't, don't. I say it three times. He shows up in the mirror, and then Rob plays the clip. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it wasn't perfect. There, there was a lot of it that was. And on one hand, similar to a lot of other Marvel stories, but on the other hand, because of that, I'm almost willing to give it a pass. I think it was uh, Trebuchet who pointed out that a lot of it was similar to Iron Man's story. Yeah. You got this arrogant, brilliant, excuse me as I burp into the microphone, scientist <laughs> who winds up being humbled and forced to turn his skills to another area, and he moves away from serving himself to serving mankind. And there are a lot of parallels with Tony Stark's story. Yeah. But, you know, you and I were talking about it. That's almost every Marvel super, superhero origin since Fantastic Four. It's the Hulk. It's the, yep. <laughs> it's Spider-Man. I mean, if you think about it, there's really only like four superhero origin stories. And one yeah. of them is mutant or inhuman. You know, you're born with it. One of them is this one, like in Doctor Strange. Yep. One of them's Batman. Yep. And the other... Uh, I have power and skip directly to helping mankind with absolutely no thought. Uh, sucks. It's pure 1952. <laughs> right. Horrible. So, so the fact that you can really make a lot of parallels with this, you could make similar ones with Captain America up to a point. It's it's tropes. Right. So, yeah. It, honestly, though, I hadn't really thought about the parallels between Tony Stark and uh, Stephen Strange. Until this, because, yeah, if you think about it, I don't think anybody's really thought about how smart Stephen Strange actually is. When you think about it, to to be that level of, of neurosurgeon and all of that to begin with. Right. And then to be able to take that intellect and apply it to the unknowable and be able to, to layer it and, and hedge against whatever sort of karmic horribleness that you've been storing up because you've been trying to play both sides against the middle to make magic happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's one of those things he could either be the most powerful person in the world in which case you got to keep him to the side as much as possible. Yeah. Or he can't be as powerful as that sort of beginning that sort of intellect would imply and I think that's probably a large part of why the last days of magic storyline has been going on yeah. uh, for the last few months uh, in Aaron and Bacalo's run. Yeah, let's depower Doctor Strange and make him sort of on a level playing field since we're going to take him and now, thanks to the movie, put him front and center. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, if if a Marvel movie put Rocket Raccoon front and center, we're going to be getting a lot of fucking Doctor Strange but yeah, Doctor Strange, who can do anything as a complete and ultimate Sorcerer Supreme, that's a boring story when you team him up with Spider-Man uh, fighting Stiltman. <laughs> <laughs> that's a two-pager. Yeah. That's shit. Nobody wants that. 
but a Doctor Strange who really needs to hunt around. Look at oh god, there's like two magic feathers that can shrink stilts that are somewhere in Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little more conflict to that story. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and it's important to do that because otherwise you do have situations like say with any of the X Men movies where the first thing they do is find a way to take Xavier off the board. Right. <laughs> No, it's based on the post-credit sequence, or one of the two post-credit sequences we got in this. And again, we warned you we're going to spoil stuff. Um, <laughs> I hesitate to say Thor showed up, because I think it was just Chris Hemsworth was like nearby. <laughs> and he's like, can you come in? You don't have to put the suit on or nothing. Just show up. Because yeah, he's just wearing like jeans and a flannel shirt. But he's Thor, okay. It's just Thor Dungon native. Yeah, Thor's he's dressed down to go to the dive bar or some shit. <laughs> but implying that the next time we see Doctor Strange will be in Thor Ragnarok for a fully powered up Sorcerer Supreme, that's a decent environment with gods. Yeah. Okay. And can, other dimensions. Right. Uh Doctor Strange, I don't think we're gonna see him, uh, even though he was the creator of the team in the comic, uh, in Defenders. No. I don't think, I think they're going in a different direction. Yeah, I don't think Doctor Strange and uh, Luke Cage <laughs> have a common enemy. No. I don't think Luke Cage is going to outwit Dormammu. I, 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 I would see Luke, um, Danny Rand coming up in back of Stephen Strange, assuming that he could even do that to him, and then flicking his ear because he could. Like just <laughs> <laughs> Flicking his ear, blowing his fucking astral presence right out of his head. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a good place to put Doctor Strange. Fine, this will be the next appearance, because certainly a sequel hasn't been announced yet, uh, even though there was a big Doctor Strange will return card at the end of it. Yeah. And the second post credit sequence put Baron Mordo in the position that he's been in in the comics for forever as the antagonist. Yeah, although it really made me think that... I'm going to butcher this poor man's name, Chuidal Elifor... Um, uh, hold on, I, I wrote it and can pronounce it no better than you. Chiwetel, yeah, fuck it, I can't. The the bad guy from Firefly, Serenity. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty much the same character, but with magic. Yeah, it's I am I am anally rules bound. <laughs> yeah, I cannot unclench, and I must enforce rules, or I cannot go on. So now because. I have become disillusioned by what I have seen around me. I must ruin everybody else's party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost exactly the same character. Yeah. And th that's why he was so fucking good at it. He was really good at it in Serenity. Yeah, I mean, what he has going for him are the big sad puppy dog eyes. See, you don't hate him immediately while he does it, but... <laughs> yes, it still was... But he's like your worst nightmare is like, like an RA in your <clears throat> dorm. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But it's still... It seemed like a fast way to go for, well, up to a point. I mean, should we, should we talk about who the bad guy really is? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, and I've seen other people arguing about this online, so this is okay. not completely, you know, oh, I'm being wicked smat. Because <laughs> believe me, not after the number of beers I've had. But Are you going to make the argument that the ancient one is the bad guy? Uh <clears throat> Maybe, okay. and or Doctor Strange. Look, you've got Doctor Strange. He's fucking around with forbidden magic, clearly messing with the natural laws of the universe, which is supposed to be verboten. Yep. 
if you're rebuilding an entire city with uh, your magic Timex, yes, you're violating the natural laws yeah. of the universe. Yeah. Um, he makes a deal with an otherworldly demon with no experience or training in that whatsoever. Yeah. Does anybody really think, you know, a quickly worded, oh, do these and never come back is really going to keep him away? Demons, historically in fiction, they're all about monkeys pawing up your shit. Yeah. It's, uh, oh no, but you you, you said this, but it didn't mean this. There's some loophole that you forgot about. (laughs) Right. And I think I read somewhere in the comics, he flat out, (laughs) sorry, my phone's right in my pocket. I should have turned it off. (laughs) Um... I think he flat out just was working, influencing Baron Mordo to, to attack Doctor Strange after he made a similar deal in the comic book. And we may find out that that's actually the case. Right. So, so yeah, he's, he's made this deal, and that is clearly going to go wrong. Mordo has to be really, oh, God, it, it was a clever ending to the story, but it's like, no, you didn't think it through. You should talk to somebody about it. Um, And, yeah, it's... Everybody says, oh, no, he could be our great hope. Well, why? Because the Ancient One says, well, the Ancient One was using dark magic from, what was it, the Mirror Realm or something? No, from Dormammu's realm. Right. From wherever the hell that is. Yeah, so that she could stay young. And apparently, as all-powerful as Dormammu is, he doesn't have enough to grow hair. That (laughs) didn't help her on the sartorial front. But okay, it keeps her young. So, yeah. Well, well, all right. To uh, To be fair... I have a question about that because if she was able to, unbeknownst to everyone, siphon off just enough of power from Dormammu's Dormammu's realm to keep herself eternally youthful and all-powerful, how is it she didn't open up some loophole on herself where she was inevitably going to fall in league with Dormammu? I mean, that's... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't have the answers. No, nobody lets me do magic. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, that would be... You keep me away from the Jaeger. You're not going to let me do magic for Christ's sake. No, no, no spells for my buddy Rob. <laughs> so yeah, you've got this upstart who cheated on his education. He's playing fast and loose with the rules. Who has been elevated to a level that for all the magicians in the world, supposedly there are only three Sanctum Santorums yep. or Sanctorums. And suddenly, okay, yep, you're in charge of one based on a teacher who it turns out is full of shit and using evil power for... It's corruption. Yeah. (laughs) At least as far as the definition of the word in the 2016 presidential election. So, so, yeah, if you're you're, uh, Baron Mordo... Or your, I never remember that, Cassilius? Yes. Is that Matt Mickelson? Cassilius. Yeah, I mean, Caecilius' motivation is I want to give everyone eternal life. I mean, is Dormammu somebody you can make a deal with? Well, if you believe Doctor Strange, it's pretty easy to make a deal with him. (laughs) (laughs) And if you believe uh, the Ancient One, fairly easy to, to tap into his stuff and come away relatively unaffected. Yeah, so who's really the bad guy? You know, if you're Baron Mordo, it's not you. You did everything you were supposed to do. You were taught these are the rules, and it turns out everybody around you is breaking them, and now the person in charge of protecting humanity and Earth is, yeah, this upstart who doesn't really know what the fuck he's talking about, who for all intents and purposes stole power and is using it irresponsibly. 
<laughs> if you're Baramordo, yeah. Yeah. You're the hero of this story. That's true. And there's an argument to be made for that. Now, the movie wasn't called Baron Mordo. No. So obviously, at least as far as Marvel but is concerned. As, as you describe... But there's an ambiguity there, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but as you describe Strange's actions, I see more and more parallels with Tony Stark, playing fast and loose with things and you know, relying on the fact that he's the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, and uh, then he created Ultron, and at the end of Civil War, he was completely shattered and reduced to screaming at Cap's back, you can't have that shield. It's my dad's. <laughs> yeah. Tony Stark's arc <laughs> is not at apogee right now. <laughs> but, you know, arguably, that's. it sounds like that could be a direction that they will take Strange's story when you look at what um, Jason Aaron and Chris Bacalow have been doing with Strange's story in the comics lately. It's a possibility. Where they fit that in, I mean, God, that's got to be... What are we on? We're on stage three now, right? Yeah. So that goes up through the end of Infinity War or whatever they're going to call it. So that gets us to 2019. Um, well, because the the arc before the end of Magic was strange having to deal with the repercussions of doing all of this magic and ignoring the cost, and then the bill came due. Yeah. Now that, yeah, there's a certain amount to be said with that, but yeah, with the modifications made to Wong here, you know, what the, the, the idea of the hidden sanctum sanctorum with volunteers to take on, now I'm spoiling an arc of comic books. Sorry, we're just spoiling <laughs> the hell out of everything, but volunteers to take on the doctor's injuries and pain so that he could be more effective. Yeah, that's... That makes a certain amount of sense with Wong, as he always was in the comic books, the completely faithful manservant who will protect Doctor Strange, no, whether he knows it or not. Right. Wong is much more, and it was one of the smarter moves with all the screams of whitewashing and cultural appropriation going on this movie that we will talk about. Mm. Um, it's one of the smarter things they did was Wong is much more of a colleague. Wong is the master of the Hong Kong Sanctum Sanctorum, unless I'm... No, he's the librarian. Well, he started as a librarian, but didn't he wind up by the end of it as the as the uh, master of the Hong, oh, Kong Hong Kong sanctum? I'd have to go back and and I don't know. No, they had to go and fight, but they got to Hong Kong too late. They did, but they Strange used the Eye of Agamotto to yeah. use dark magic in violation of all natural law to restore Hong Kong. Wong, it, it might be Wong's now. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thinking, yeah, it's a, this is why they needed an origin story, because you know somebody would be pounding on the door of Bleecker Street. It's like, <laughs> would you, we spent billions on contractors, motherfucker, and all you had to do, we, after, after the <laughs> Avengers attack, uh, never mind, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm having fatigue hysteria. I'm ranting about a story that's only happening in my own head that I can't properly <laughs> articulate into a microphone. Are there ponies? Uh, they're always ponies. <laughs> Beautiful ponies. We're all friends. Oh, God. <laughs> and they help me destroy my enemies. So. <laughs> Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Wong might be in charge of Hong Kong. I don't know. I don't remember. But it's, and by, I was sober when I watched this. Yes, but by making Wong more of a colleague, the idea that he would sacrifice for the greater glory of Stephen Strange and mm. sacrifice other people. Yeah. I think is a, a less likely 
it'd be something they'd have to write around. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they would do that, but it's a possibility. Yeah, and they they have possibilities for further movies down the line. Like you know, in terms of significant characters, we didn't see Clea in this, who is supposed to be Strange's on again, off again love interest. Right. And she is Dormammu's niece. <laughs> okay. Because Strange makes good decisions. It's <laughs> who's Dormammu's brother? That there's Manny. Niece. <laughs> Manny, filthy Manny. Yes, uh, I always thought of filthy Manny was up to no good. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that was the one one storyline that I felt like didn't necessarily need to be there, other than ooh, Strange needs to de- demonstrate that he's in a heterose- heterosexual relationship. Let's have the the you know pretty girl doctor. And <laughs> oh God, she did nothing. Rachel yeah. McAdams. Uh, the character, uh, what was her character's name? Dr. Christine Palmer. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to Google it. The, I was able to find that she was, um, one of the night nurse. She was in the night nurse comic. Okay. So at least she was promoted (laughs) to a doctor, (laughs) but I don't think she's got any relationship with Dr. Strange. It was just another case of let's pull somebody out of, out of Marvel history and dump them here. Yeah. It's. I think I think the only reason, yeah, she was there was to yeah show that not gay, yeah, <laughs> this dapper English gentleman with a watch collection might not just prefer the company of men. Like it matters, fuck like, all for yeah. Doctor Strange. <laughs> Who cares? Um, I mean, you've already gotten rid of his manservant, so there's one vector of homo that's been <laughs> taken away. I guess uh, you just want to seal the deal, okay. Whatever. But otherwise, yeah, she served no purpose. Comic relief in a couple scenes. Yeah. I mean, she was highly competent as a doctor in her own right and and did some things that were helpful, but only in the service of furthering Strange's story. Now, granted, it was his story, but yeah, she had no no value other than plot device. Yeah, I mean, she was she was there in one scene to show Strange at his most reprehensible. Yeah. You know, where he basically is saying, you mean nothing to me, you know, and just wallowing in self-pity and being as hurtful as possible, which I thought was actually an interesting choice for Strange. It still shows Rachel McAdams was there to yeah, be a prop for for Strange's purposes. Yeah. You know, to further his greater story. That's not fridging. Does that have a term? No, it's just being a dick. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but, so I thought it was an interesting choice for that character to... Because... Yeah, it's, there are a lot of similarities with Tony Stark. Tony Stark, while he is an asshole to people, is also almost unfailingly charismatic and funny. His yes. his asshole ishness that might be a word. <laughs> Assholitude. Yes, assitudinally. <laughs> Fine, Berkshire Brewing Company. Oh God, we're gonna have to wrap this show <laughs> later. I've got fatigue hysteria, but uh. It's always a zinger. It's entertaining. It's funny. Well, no, I mean, I think there are some moments where it's real for Tony and he doesn't bother to sugarcoat things. Those things happen primarily when he's been drinking. Yes, or when it's implied that he's been drinking. Yeah. I still maintain Iron Man 3 is really demon in a bottle. They just replace panic attacks with with drinking. Yeah. 
you know, in, in particular, the scene where he talks into the phone, oh, here's my home address, and throws <laughs> the guy's phone. It's like, yeah, that's not a panic attack. That's a shit-faced asshole. Yeah. That's all that is. Yeah. That's on TMZ tomorrow. Trust a shit-faced asshole. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that we do. So, <laughs> but it, it's far rarer. Yes. You know, to start off a movie with the hero being a dick. He's just a dick to people. And he doesn't even really start masking it with humor until he gets to Outer Mongolia or Tibet or right. whatever the hell And then, is. even then, only after he starts to get what he wants. Right. Yeah, he's just a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess Doctor Strange is only charming when he's winning. Yeah. The otherwise... He's an unrepentant asshole. There you go. <laughs> but it was it was an interesting choice for that character to make him really pretty unlikable. Yeah. I mean, a, <laughs> a guy who goes through his watch collection with automatic winders and gets into his Lamborghini Murcielago, I think it was, to drive <laughs> at 926 miles an hour in the rain. I mean... <laughs> While looking at his iPad. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a case of you did this to yourself. There's no tragedy here. No, it's just, yeah. it was the hubris of thinking that you could do all of these things with no repercussions, which honestly is what they're saying about what's going to happen to him with magic, that you can do all these things without repercussion. Yeah, and seeing that play out would be interesting because and maybe it's just personal events. I had no bit. <laughs> He wakes up and looks at his hands. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. You did this to yourself, you <laughs> fucking douchebag. What'd you think was going to happen? Now, I have personal events which lead me to that <laughs> to that uh, point of view for certain medical conditions. But it was an interesting choice for a superhero story, I thought. Yeah, because it becomes about, you know, okay, I'm going to do this because this is going to I'm going to redeem myself by becoming selfless, except that he's not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we've talked a little bit about... The one one person we haven't really talked about is the ancient one, Tilda Swinton. Let's, Swinton. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the ancient one. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> Swinton? Is it Swinton? I swore it was Swinton. Swinton. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> For God's sake, we're starting with Tilda. It could be anything after that. <laughs> You're asking me to remember a lot. Well. <laughs> and it's not working. So. Okay, that's why you have notes. <laughs> I wrote Swinson on all my fucking notes. Well, I, I'm sorry. I can't help you then. Uh, all right. Okay. Um, I, I, I liked her. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it, one of the larger internet brouhaha's was that they, they took a character who is supposed to be an elderly Asian male of some sort, um, of a probably Tibetan extraction. Probably. and uh, which, which I've read would never happen because uh, you put Tibet in a movie and you don't open it in China. Well, that was about where I was going to go yeah, to. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and so they, they gender and race swapped this character for a, a white woman. And granted, Tilda Swinton is about the most mercurial in terms of like features <laughs> that if yeah. you're going to put somebody and she's played an angel in Constantine that was more or less genderless. Yeah. Um, she's played a vampire. She's she's done a variety of things. I'd like to see her play David Bowie, frankly. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Didn't she play Bob Dylan? She might there have. There was that one yeah. movie with like 14 people who played Bob Kate Dylan. Kate Blanchett was in that. But That uh, could be who I'm thinking of. Uh, Fuck it, Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him and his Nobel. I've damn gone, it. <laughs> gone too far. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the argument that those that were in favor of it was, you know, A, she's awesome, so let her be the ancient one, and B, we can't have an actual, like, Tibetan character because we won't be able to open it in China. It's that was a no win situation. Yeah, you can't win one or the other. It's if you use Tilda Swinton, Swinton. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's whitewashing. If you get an old Asian dude, it's cultural appropriation. It's, it's of course cult- the great a- white hope has to come in and save the world. It's not cultural appropriation. It's you risk caricature for that. Isn't it cultural? Cultural appropriation is uh, people being concerned that Danny Rand is the great white hope who's going to save um, uh, whatever you call it. Kung, um, Kung Lun. Thank you. Um, and why can't we have an Asian guy in that role? Well, isn't it the same thing here? It's if you have a Tibetan monk and a Tibetan monastery and a white guy comes to become Sorcerer Supreme and save the world... Why is that any different? All right, that that does go back more to Great White Hope there. Um, but cultural appropriation is like when Gwen Stefani thinks it's a good idea to hire a bunch of Japanese women as backup dancers and do a lot of things that draw on Japanese culture when she herself is not, in fact, Japanese. I'm a middle-aged white guy. I can't keep track of everything. <laughs> All I know is I'm wrong. Uh, I'm always wrong. Or if like Miley Cyrus slaps a bindi on her forehead because she thought it was cool that day. <laughs> she ever do that probably <laughs> he was wrong and you knew it <laughs> that's <I'll... laughs> okay or if kendall jenner decides she's gonna put cornrows in her hair and put it on instagram uh i don't even know who that is that's okay you're better for that okay you just cling to that i'm i'm gonna that's <laughs> um yeah we'll, we'll stick with that um yeah, overall, I'm just putting, I got some notes here, decent humor. I really like the cloak of levitation. Yes. Acting like a puppy or a kitten, basically, who just comes to his aid, and the first time he puts it on, just <laughs> touching his face. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I've not had human in a while. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Can has? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Mordo had some decent lines. The whole Shambhala is the Wi-Fi password. That was, yeah. that was pretty clever. Ironically... Strange was the worst part when it came to humor because he was such a dick. I, I just there were times I wanted to say, you know, I saw this when it was fucking Gregory House. <laughs> this is you know the ironically, yeah, the dick genius <laughs> doctor it has been done. Yeah, you know what? He plays Sherlock. He, <laughs> yeah, he is Sherlock, and that's why I think they should have just let him do his goddamn voice. Yeah, There's nothing about Doctor Strange that is tied to New York. He's certainly not Captain Fucking America. True. He could have moved to New York. I. This is not a no-name actor pretending to be. You know, it's not. What's his face who plays Superman? Henry Cavill. Yeah, who's about as as American as Spotted Dick. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know who he is. So, but it's a, this is Sherlock and fucking Khan. Every time he spoke in an American accent, it kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit. Just I, I had less of an issue that let Cumberbatch be. Cumberbatch, <laughs> just believe me, nobody else is screaming for that handle. Let, let him just do it. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the next movie. 
I feel strongly about this. He'll get conked on the head and suddenly this British accent will appear. There you go. That's fine with me. Uh, all right. What else do we want to talk about about the the movie? Wong. Okay. He was awesome. He, like I said, that was the the cleverest turning around of something that could potentially be a problem. You know the the everlasting, uh, never wavering manservant Wong turning him into. A colleague. A colleague, yeah. But I just liked his characterization in general, in terms of here is why I'm formidable. Here is where I'm not going to let you think that you're charming, and I'm not going to laugh at your jokes, and I'm going to pretend I don't know your musical references, and then in another scene, people are going to see me listening to Beyonce on on like a headset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the other thing I really enjoyed about um, this you know, mystical retreat in Kathmandu. It, it has Wi-Fi. It has like modern amenities <laughs> you yeah. know it looks like if you looked at it funny with a bic lighter it would go up in flames it would <laughs> right <laughs> somebody wired that for uh for ethernet yeah yeah it's it was an interesting interpretation of it somehow had better wiring than half the houses we looked at when we were looking for a house well <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, it's uh, the whole building code thing i don't know <laughs> They're, they're very uh, lax, strict. <laughs> I don't know. There's something over in um, Outer Mongolia. I, this day, I don't know where it is in that movie. It's it's in Nepal. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll show you on a map later. Uh, I'm an American. I've never looked at a map. I'm not about to start now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Again, we're filthy Americans, and we're seeking asylum. So if you have a couch. <laughs> That's right. But uh, we'll stand in the U.S. wall. Always. <laughs> But I, yeah, that was the the best way of modifying. And see, to me, that's kind of the weird thing about this. There, I, there have to be hardcore Doctor Strange fans out there. I've never met one. Mm. If of everybody, if of all the Marvel movies, excepting Guardians of the Galaxy, where you could really fuck around with the origin and probably not take too much shit, it was probably Doctor Strange. And even with Guardians of the Galaxy... They took the version that had been fucked around with by Dan Abnett. Yeah, true. A few years, you know, that's in the original Guardians in no way looked like Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Right. So it's it's certain things, I don't see why they didn't just change him around. It's a fine, he goes across town to find someone who's calling themselves the ancient one. There's no particular country, doesn't matter. Some guru in Wisconsin. Why not? (laughs) Who gives a shit? Steve Ditko, but fuck it. Trust me, he didn't cash whatever check they sent him for this anyway. I don't know. I think it's something about like the the opportunity to have those you know majestic mountaintop, snowy Everest kind of scenes. Yeah, but they had about one of them, and then he was in a filthy alley pounding on the door, and then we never saw it again. <laughs> and frankly, most of the mountaintop scenes were where uh, the ancient one dropped him. In Antarctica, or no, the top of Everest. Top of Everest. You could have done that from Wisconsin. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> True. Portland. <laughs> I don't know where the hippies live these days. I don't know. You could go there. You don't need to have any of this Asian stuff. Everybody's happy, except Steve Ditko. Except to get more of of that market if you represent more of it on the film. But representing that market. Got him shit. 
I don't know. I'm, <laughs> this is why I'm not a movie producer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, would, it seems to me it would be much easier to just dick with the origin. Number one, it's not like it has not happened in, if if not Marvel movies, movies about Marvel characters. I mean, <laughs> Richard Parker, the spy, supposedly coming back in Sinister Six. Yeah, that wasn't an amazing fantasy 15. All right, but you know what, though? Uh, on the other hand, you can try to streamline something so that you can keep the logic of it within the story that you're telling, figuring, eh, Nobody's going to care if I dick with the origin that much. And then you get Constantine, the movie. Which was... A good movie, but if you're a Hellblazer fan, you're like, eh. It was a terrible adaptation. Yeah. It was a decent movie. So you run the risk of, if you cut corners like that and say, oh, well, you know, he can go to Wisconsin and and learn mystical arts at the... The, the YMCA shower. <laughs> yeah, or, oh, you know, hey, it's... um. Mystic Arts 101 at the Learning Annex. It's not, <laughs> you're going to have people who are going to call you out the same way people rightfully called out Constantine as not being a faithful Hellblazer adaptation. I mean, there'll always be somebody, but clearly by being even as true to the origin story, at least as far as I know, again, I'm not the world's biggest Doctor Strange fan. For I've done some Googling, and from what I can tell... I mean, to the point of, uh, what was his, Dr. Nicodemus, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he That was the name of the doctor who did the surgery on Strange's hands in the comics. So there's, they tried to keep a certain amount of it intact. Yeah, I, I think they did a good job pulling what they could in to make those people who feel that the origin story must be properly shepherded comfortable. But if you're not a hardcore Dr. Strange fan, you're not going to care as much. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's and I'm sure I'll get 500 emails after this. <laughs> I'm the world's biggest Doctor Strange fan, and I'm offended. And to which I can only say, I'm an alcoholic. But it just it seems to me you could fuck around with this one if you had to, because to this day, there's been stories every day this week about oh, cries of whitewashing have followed this this movie, and cries of cultural appropriation. And I, I get that. And I get why it's important, but also at the same time, you know, if you look at a movie, you know, Baron Carl Mordo wasn't an Asian, uh, wasn't a gentleman of African descent. He was a fucking second generation Nazi in the comic book. Yes. For Christ's sake. For good, it's an English guy playing a New Yorker, for God's sake. I don't, there's just there's no way to to do this. It seems to me there was almost like shuffling going on. The the director Scott Derrickson, yep. I think it was, um, of Deliver Us from Evil, which I have not seen yet. Had Joel you're, McHale in it. You're a bigger horror movie person than I am, so you'd be you'd be more likely to see it. Didn't he do one of the sinister movies or mm-hmm. something? Yeah, he's he's got a horror movie background. But yeah, it's yeah, he certainly changed around characters to allow for you know a, a person of color to be Baron Mordo mm-hmm. um but then yeah messed around yeah it's it's you almost can't win with the ancient one you know yeah old asian guy cultural appropriation all right put a woman in so turn a male character female that you would think would score points and yet it doesn't seem to i'm just i'm not sure again middle-aged white guy i'm not sure what the rules are anymore <laughs> 
It seems to me you can't have it both ways. I wouldn't have a problem with uh, who was uh, who was Troy on Community. Um, Troy was um, Glover, um, Danny Glover, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him being Peter Parker. Make him Spider Man. That's fine. But at this, but it, I don't know. It just it feels weird. I'm I'm okay with this. And yet it feels weird. Okay, but if you make these other moves, they're still not good enough. Again, middle-aged white guy. I don't know what the fuck I'm they're, talking about. There's just something that feels weird and double standardish about the, the screams of certain changes here while other ones are okay. Well, I, the answer to that question is because you're used to seeing white guys on the movie screen. So you haven't been in a position where you've been wanting to see more of people who look like you. And, and that's true. Uh, that's absolutely true. I mean... When I everybody looks like me, well, everybody looks like me if they ate a lot of cake. <laughs> I mean, I I can't tell you how excited I get when I see the Wonder Woman trailer. When whenever I see that, it's just sort of like, yay, we're finally going to have. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's way long overdue. So I, you know, and I, and I didn't think that I would necessarily get that overly like giddy about it, but every time I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right, and I get, Rogue One, like yeah, <laughs> and, and and I get why that's important. It's just this movie in particular just feels like it's getting a raw deal no matter where it turns. You now there's representation in various places where if you follow the original comic, that ain't what it is, and that's okay. But yet it doesn't seem to be okay. And but it's okay for this one, but it's not okay for this. I just I don't understand all the rules, and I'll admit I'm an old fuck. I'm not getting any younger. It just, it it feels weird to me in this movie. It's you know, but I all these things were changed. Yeah, but this one's not right. So you're not correct. It's it's a sticky situation. Did you enjoy the movie? I did. Then you enjoyed the movie. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh all right. Um. But anything else we want to talk about about the movie? I, I hate to end on that note because it's you know, just another drunk white guy ranting for no good reason. <laughs> um, no, I just I think that if you haven't seen the movie, it's 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 worth your while to go out there and and give it a go. And I think you will be pleasantly uh, surprised by it. We saw it in two D because I wear glasses, and inevitably three D glasses don't work for me very well. Right. And I always run the risk of it's going to bump up against my glasses and scratch them up, and I'm too lazy to go to the ophthalmologist. And anyway, enough about me. So <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one thing I, I do regret a little bit is I, I think if I saw it again, I might take the risk of seeing it in 3D because what I've heard in terms of the reviews is that they do a really good job with the 3D, particularly there's some sequences where Strange is dealing with the astral plane and there's this whole... If you've seen Inception, you've kind of already seen this, but it works out really well for the purposes of how they stylize magic in this universe where he's got the out-of-body experience and it's like levels upon levels upon levels. The whole bits where like, you know, she asks, the ancient one asks him to open his eye and she very pointedly puts her thumb in the middle of his forehead where his third eye would be. Right. And then casts him out of his body and he goes floating through dimensions and all of that. In 3D, apparently that's supposed to be quite astounding. Yeah, I, I'm generally not a fan of 3D 
uh, I don't even know. Was this shot to be in 3D? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because I I think I've seen some transfers. I don't think I've ever seen one that was shot to be in 3D. The last 3D movie I think I saw was one of the the screenings of uh, The Force Awakens we went to was 3D. And then we saw it immediately later that same day in 2D, and it was just clearer and easier to follow. But that was a a translation that was uh, processed afterwards. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess we can get the 3D Blu-ray when it comes out, <laughs> or if you want to go check it out in 3D at some point this week. Uh, again, maybe tomorrow. I may not want to be near a TV tomorrow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, visually there was a lot of cool stuff that went on. The, the, I did have a problem with all the street folding because it really felt like, okay, I saw this in Inception and you're just doing more of it. All right, instead of folding the city in half... You're folding it in like four different directions, and still MC Escher would fucking laugh at you as a tourist. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, we can check it out in 3D. It's uh, a lot of the visuals, particularly when once we got to Dormammu's dimension, and yeah, the big energy balls with interconnecting force lines was such pure Steve Ditko. Yeah, uh, that I really dug. Yeah, you know, and. Yeah, it just, <laughs> I don't know. And even with the visuals, it's like, okay, I get it. It's, it's magic, but it's also still a movie. And yeah, you're not going to be able to sell this in China unless people just tune each other up. <laughs> so even though it's magic, yeah, oh, I got a magic whip that I'm going to beat you with. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them had fans. <laughs> All right, I've got a magic fan I'm going to beat you with. Either way. <laughs> Somebody's supposed to yell Mortal Kombat before that happens, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marie, and don't look at it no matter what happens. It's <laughs> as close as I had. I should get the Mortal Kombat You thing. should. Not today. Okay. <laughs> I got this. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. You've just been looking for an excuse to play that the whole show. Yes. <laughs> uh... Yeah, all right. Uh, anything else? It's. Uh, I apologize. I, I realize I sound like I'm half awake it's it's been a very this is not i'm not gonna send this out as an audition tape let's put it that, <laughs> that way no i think we've covered it it's a good movie it was better than we expected and um others are saying that as well it's 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 doing it did 80 80 million dollars in the box office this weekend when people were expecting between 60 and 70 oh okay so yeah i mean for a b-list superhero and let's face it dr strange is b-list yeah been around for a long time, but <laughs> you can't point to the 500 issue run of Doctor Strange for his no. staying power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not bad. So, yeah, like I said, I, I liked it, but uh, let Cumberbatch be Cumberbatch. Just speak English for Christ's sake. <laughs> not everybody has to be an American. On the day before the election, very few of us want to be American <laughs> at this point. Okay, we got to move away from that. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Liked it better than I thought I was going to. Yes. Want to talk about a couple comics? Let's talk about a couple comics. Uh, which I will not be able to talk very well about because <laughs> I didn't take any notes. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Avengers, yeah, number so, one. Uh, written by Mark Wade. Uh, you've got the issue. Who did the, the art was Mike Del Mundo. Okay. So yeah, this is like the third, fourth, fifth Avengers one in the last five years. This is a beautifully drawn book. Yes, uh, with painted style art, yes. as I uh, recall. It's, uh, yes, excellent art. Uh, 
Yeah, this is definitely the second. Well, uh, there's about 15 Avengers books now, so this <laughs> might be the the 50th Avengers one since Secret Wars. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this one because we've got on the roster we've got um, the the Jane Foster Thor, we've got Hercules, we've got Sam Wilson Captain America, we've got Peter Parker who's trying to assume the Tony Stark like role of of bankroll and tech provider. Totally. And we've got the Vision who is in the process of actually not in the he has started what is going to be a time war basically you know that thing where you spoilers um uh, say gee what if i could go to the the past and kill baby hitler <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got that going on in this book <laughs> and if it goes as well as everybody thinks their baby hitler story does uh this is the last issue of avengers <laughs> and also the new wasp is in this yes so I, I wanted to talk about this because as things have played out with Civil War, where we're dealing with an inhuman who has a mind algorithm that can profile and seek out um, various patterns to determine that a course of action is most likely to happen. Now we're dealing with, because we don't quite know how Civil War is going to end because it's dragging its fucking feet. Um, <laughs> well, it can't end all that badly because Spider-Man was on the side of Captain Marvel and clearly Sam Wilson was on the side of Captain America and they're all on the same team together. So, But there's some uneasiness that they're not all like, you know, happy hunky-dory. True. So they're immediately going in this other direction that I don't think was accounted for in... Uh, Ulysses algorithm as part of his powers, which is time travel. Yeah, it certainly hasn't <laughs> been brought up as far as I've seen in any of the <laughs> in any of the issues I've seen. I was bitching what last week that it seems like the side stories are just going to be just as important as the main one, right? Uh, based on we've had absolutely no mention of Steve Rogers as being a Hydra agent, yeah, <laughs> except in his own book. And in his own book, it implies that's going to be a motivator for what he does in the main book. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible that in some side book, I'm trying to think of one I haven't picked up. Yeah. I. Given I'm almost broke until my next paycheck, I think I bought most of them. You bought all the books. But so yeah, it's uh, time travel may well be something that is a loophole. Uh, Ulysses Achilles heel to put together two or three epic <laughs> stories yes. mythology Greek <laughs> I'm gonna open this beer now I think you should I think it's too late for me okay <laughs> save the princess uh <laughs> my name is Hiro Nakamura I'm from the future and I have a message for you you damn fool you're more useless than Aquaman <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean this this book is I like it it, it tells Tells the story of some some people who may not necessarily want to work together that are now working together, and they they're dealing with Vision continuing to have the foibles that he has in his book, which is just recently wrapped up. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's that's going right to the top of the Crises Awards this year. <laughs> the The first trade of the Vision is out uh, came out a few weeks ago. Get that, and then get the second one when it comes out. This is some of the best comics of this year, but. Yeah, some of the nearsightedness and conviction that he's correct, no matter what has come of what he's done. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of that is is visible here. 
which is kind of cool. Uh, the one problem I had with it, and it's just it's a holdover from again. I'm not the world's biggest Jonathan Hickman fan. What we get at the end of this book is what we got at the beginning of Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers. It's here's the next ten story arcs, and it's just Mark Wade saying, "Look, I've got a long plan for this, and buckle up." And I've had nothing but joy in reading Mark Wade's Avengers books since Secret War. Uh, this replaces all new, all different Avengers, which was great front to back. Uh, now he's on Champions, which has been yep. the second issue was this uh, this week with one hell of an ending I didn't see coming. I don't think you've read that one yet. No, I have a stack of things that I need to finish reading sitting yeah. next to my chair. But it's, yeah, just the whole coming in this year's Avengers. It's like, oh, it just, I don't know why it rubs me the wrong way. Especially it, since it, the first one looks like old man vision. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, and also it's coming from, yeah, for all intents and purposes, it looks like Kang has finally killed the Avengers. Yeah. Kang went back and killed Hitler in his crib. Yeah. Spoiler. Literally. Spoilers. Uh, assuming Spider-Man is Hitler. <laughs> Spider-Man's not Hitler. Is he? No. Okay. Is there a Poe for that? <laughs> is there a what? Is there a Poe for that? Like, is there like a Parker's Law or something like Oh, okay. I don't know. Like, who's Poe? Um, or is it Godwin? I get them confused. God- Godwin is the Nazi one. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I, I forget who Poe is. Doesn't matter. No, who cares? <laughs> um... But it, yeah, it's it was a it was a good book with just that one thing. It's, oh, don't tell me what's coming up. Just let me ride with it. Yeah, and again, it's got nothing to do with Mark Wade's work. I think it has far more to do with Jonathan Hickman's. And it, yeah, I think it just comes back to you know, Hickman does such giant epic stories that are much more about plot. And it's just to see. Oh, okay. The, I don't know. I'm not making a lot of sense tonight. Uh, we, you drive the rest of the show. I, I give I, up. I, I agree with you in that one of one of the defining characteristics of Wade's work that works is his attention to detail with characters and his ability to have a well thought out, deeply developed plot, but not take away from character development. So to see something that looks Hickman like in the back gives one pause. That's probably all it is. Yes. So and even then, I'm in the minority. Everybody loves Jonathan Hickman's stuff. I just I find it kind of bloodless and far more interested in how do I advance the plot than in the characters. What is a new and interesting way in which I can make uh, Reed Richards look like a dick? <laughs> That's also, like, if, if you want to play, like, Hickman bingo. <laughs> yeah, God, there's a, uh, I don't, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> look, Amanda, no offense to you and to, to gentle listener, I'm, I'm, tired it's been a long day <laughs> uh i don't want to talk about jonathan hickman i don't we want don't to have to ruin my shine for okay. the rest of the night what do you want to talk about did we get a superman there i do and that one i put a smile on amanda's face superman I, uh what this ten? is superman 10 okay. um dc universe rebirth yep written by peter tomasi art by patrick gleason if i'm remembering correctly yes. all right and uh, this has a lot of things going for it. Uh, one, there is nothing Watchmen-oriented happening in it. Not in this particular issue, no. And two, uh, Jonathan Kent, who is Clark and Lois from the other dimension that now live on our planet, Kent's. Yes, the post-crisis Superman. Yes. Um, punched Damian Wayne in the dick, which was <laughs> glorious. <laughs> 
full page spread. It's 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 a whole page. All right, it's not really the dick. He kind of just got him in the stomach, but still, <laughs> still a little lower, and there would be no more little Waynes. That's it. No it would more be the Waynes. end of the Wayne. <laughs> we have not been shy about saying, in particular, Amanda, although also made not a fan of Damian Wayne. Hate the character. Everything he says should be in the tone of uh, this guy. You damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman! I, so true. I should have saved that sound clip. I, I knew we were going to talk about Damian so Wayne, true. but fuck it. Um, so yeah, ever since he was first introduced, and he's had certain redeeming character arcs, like when he was dead. <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that one. Go back and relive those glorious, glorious couple of panels when Damien was dead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was Damien being Damien and Jonathan Wayne, clearly of the Midwest, where the, the lesson is uh, someone bullies you, turn around and knock them out. Well, no, it, it, um, actually what Jonathan was going for is the, the, the whole thing leading up to ignore the bullies. We're better than that. Yes. Ignore the bullies. Ignore the bullies. We're better than that, um, and and you know we can always find some other way to, to sort this out. Or you walk away from your conflict, or you use your words. And finally, because it's Damien, he's finally pushed too far. <laughs> yes, that guy was a jackass. <laughs> and and Damien uh, learned a thing or two about what it's like to take a, a fist to the gut. <laughs> Grandson of of. Members of the League of Assassins. <laughs> yes, but to Damien's credit, he then went and immediately counterattacked against a Kryptonian. True. Say what you want. The kid's a punk. He's he's got no fear. Yeah. He's definitely the son of Batman. Yes. Yeah. And and beyond that one moment, which was particularly gratifying for Amanda, as soon as I read it, I'm like, read this one next. Uh it's uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this issue. The the concept of both Batman and Superman to, being nervous about raising children and whether they're doing it right. To be fair, uh, D- Damien's next move isn't really his move. The only reason that he was able to then get a leg up on Jonathan is because, as all good cats do, when he, Damien's cat saw his master get attacked, he leapt for Jonathan's face. <laughs> that is true. As the only reason. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to open up uh, to, to more of the issue uh, at large. Oh, yes. Yeah, parenting causes people to get nervous. Yeah, so why, why we uh, <laughs> don't. don't have any kids. Yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God and technology. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's true. There's one of the nice thing that, things that is going on here is that while... Jonathan and Damien are certainly not getting along at all. Um, Clark and Bruce are being adults. And they're trying to be. There's a certain amount of conflict there. Well, yeah, because this is not Bruce's Clark. This is an alien Clark. Correct. And Superman comes in guns blazing for all intents and purposes. Because Damien kidnapped his son. Exactly. (laughs) So there's... Tension and conflict on every level of everybody interacting here. If my dad was a Superman level power and that happened to me, Damien would be dead. <laughs> yes. The only adult in this entire issue <laughs> is Alfred. Is Alfred, <laughs> who just uh, talks down to Damien and 
<laughs> it's like Jonathan Kent is our guest, and we will give him chocolate milk. And uh, oh no, Master Damien, your tea's steeping. When you're done mucking out after your cow, you can come have, <laughs> go get your own goddamn tea. Exactly. So it's it, there's a lot of tension, and certainly that very cathartic for non-fans of Damien punch to the stomach. I want that panel. <laughs> I must have that panel. Patrick Gleason, because <laughs> all artists uh, and producers listen to this show. Uh, it's a, quite a surprise. Uh, email us, uh, crisisinfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I want this panel. <laughs> I must have this panel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Superman, it, it's weird. Superman is not a title that I've ever bought on a regular basis. Even after New 52, I did get action comics because what, at least for a while, what Grant Morrison was doing was kind of interesting. Is that, all right, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere particularly. <laughs> it was okay. But <laughs> uh, I've never been a long term Superman reader, but I've been grabbing it. It hasn't quite made my polls yet, mm. but I've been grabbing it consistently since Rebirth. Yeah. And it's part of it is as simple as, all right, this is my, this is my Superman. From when I was 15 years old mm. and post-crisis. I think there's something to be said for that, though. Yeah. So it's it's been working for me. And this one, you know, in particular, Damian Wayne gets sucker punched. <laughs> um, I, I, got, I got punched in the stomach like that, actually, by a bully when I was in about fifth grade. So I actually can empathize with what that feels like for Damian as that's happening still doesn't make me think he uh, doesn't deserve it any less. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you for hanging in on this show. <laughs> I have not been at my best tonight. Uh, but it, by God, we were going to do two shows in a week, even though this one's late. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be better Sunday. <laughs> I'll try to be better Sunday. We we brought this show to you because Doctor Strange is worth it. And because you, you gentle listeners, are worth it. <laughs> God knows I'm not worth it. <laughs> but All right, should we wrap it up? Yes. All right. I'm not sure where you found this particular episode. You can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. Uh, we get all kinds of messages through there. I'm not doing as much on it as I have liked recently. I'll try to be better. Things have been a little hectic. I'm only a person. I'll do the best I can, but it's facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Tumblr, uh, crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that's mm. how you like to get your podcasts, uh, you can subscribe to us there. And uh, otherwise you can uh, leave us a message. Uh, give us a rating. It does help new people find the show. It does. We are on, God, Stitcher, uh, Google Play Network, TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And no matter what, uh, you can always reach us by email, crisisoninfinitemidlives.gmail. Uh, .gmail, at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. Crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Did I miss any? It's very possible this week. We are at Infinite Midlife on Twitter. Yes, we're on Twitter, at Infinite Midlife. We're on Facebook. Did you mention Facebook? Did Facebook, yes. All right, I think you got it all. All right, I think that covers everything. All right, now somebody could just push me into the pool. (laughs) Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. This has been episode 132 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. I made it. (laughs) Good job. All right.